Martina Majerle is the Croatian singer who has competed for three different countries in Eurovision. Seven times behind other stars as a backup singer and dancer and once when she got to be the star herself, but stayed hidden behind a piece of fabric for two minutes and 30 seconds of the performance. What does she remember from all these years in the competition? Which countries did she enjoy the most? And why did she wait so long to start her own solo career? You are listening to the podcast Eurovision Legends with your slightly saucy silhouette who never hesitates to take the center stage, Emil Löfström. Legends, Martina Magelle. Thank you, thank you, Emil. Thank you for your invitation. So nice to hear you. Darling, how are you today? Well, actually, it's the end of our season, our music season, so I am a little bit tired, actually. But it's okay. I will be fine the next week. We have some days off, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Great. Uh, you have competed eight times in Eurovision, seven times as a backup singer and one time as the lead singer. <laughs> yes, yes, it is quite a number when you say it like that. <laughs> and first time was in 2003 and the last, or shall we say latest time in 2016. Well, maybe it is last, you know. I hope for latest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you have actually competed for three different countries, Slovenia, Croatia and Montenegro. Yes, we had luck um, that we are basically speaking really similar languages, especially with Montenegrin. It's almost the same as Croatian. Yeah. I'm uh, originally Croatian and my grandpa was Slovenian. But actually those languages are really similar. So it gave us uh, you know, a huge opportunity to also to work for other countries as well. You know, when I was a child, I, I'm born in 1985, and then the country was uh, Yugoslavia, and we thought yes. that everyone spoke uh, Serbo-Croatian. <laughs> well, actually, the nationalities that uh, can understand each other really well are Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia, Montenegro, and Croatia. But actually, Slovenia and Macedonia were something completely different. Yep. So, yep. yes. <laughs> Don't feel any pressure, but we would love to hear everything about your eight Eurovision trips during Ooh. this hour. <laughs> you think that I remember everything? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I would like to begin with some quick questions, if that's okay with you. Yes, it's totally okay. Name drop three songs from Eurovision history you really love. Ooh, I love you. Euphoria. Uh, Rise Like a Phoenix um, and City and Warney. Who should have won Eurovision but didn't? Mm-hmm. Doris Dragovic. <laughs> when she was in Israel, when she was in Israel, yes, I really loved the song. But you know, they would say that it, this is because I'm Croatian, but I really loved that song. You know? I love it too, but I'm very thankful that Sweden won, I must say. Yeah. But I love Maria Magdalena. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. And she she actually, to me, she looked then like Maria Magdalena. I actually imagined Maria Magdalena looking like Doris Dragovic. <laughs>
should not have won Eurovision, but did. Hmm. I, I I think I cannot say that. You know, we cannot say that. You can <laughs> say pass then. One. Pass, pass, pass. <laughs> <laughs> one word about Andrei Babic. Talented composer. Well, two words, but never mind. Talented, talented. I agree. <laughs> Favorite song you have competed with in Eurovision? Oh, favorite. Well, I will say then Love Symphony. Least favorite song you have competed with in Eurovision? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Funniest time competing in Eurovision? Funniest. Yeah. Funniest. Funniest. Um, Alenka Gotarts with Yuga, 2007, Slovenia. Of all the songs you have sung backup for in different national finals or in Eurovision, which one would you have most have liked to sing and compete in Eurovision yourself as a lead artist? Uh, I think it would be Slovenia 2011 Maya Keuts. Uh, no one. Please elaborate. I like this modern pop. Uh, it's mostly very similar to the style of music that I listen privately. So, and I think the song was really, really great. Actually, she was, she, she's a great performer as well. So maybe because of her as well, I would like, you know, she gave the whole new touch to this song. But I think, I don't know, I like this, the, the melody. It's always the very catchy melody that I like. And the song no one has, has all, all, all of that. You survived with me. In 1997, you joined the vocal group Putukasi, who uh, we yes. remember from 93 under the name Put. And Angela Jelicic and Olya Desic, who was part of the group Put in 93, have been guests mm -hmm. in this podcast. And they told me how much hard work it was to be part of this vocal group. What was your experience like? Yes, as well. Uh, well, Miranda is the lady that leads actually the group. She's like the group director. And I was in Putokazi only two years from age 17 to the age 19. But I remember, yes, the rehearsals were really hard uh, three times a week. But, you know, she actually taught me that uh, after all the good job you do, you have to put some so much effort and hard work. And later, nothing was hard. You know, in all my background vocal career, you know, I saw many stages like Royal Albert Hall, Twice Olympia. I worked with all the greatest artists here in our region, uh, doing some world tours, Australia, USA, and nothing was hard because she gave us such a good basic, um, yeah, she was really, really strict. So everybody will say that about Putokazi, but we are so thankful for that because we were so young at that age. 
we would like to have some fun, but no, <laughs> she didn't give us that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. What I remember from my chat with uh, Angela and Olia because I asked them how much fun was it in Mill Street, and they said. Well, I don't know if what was that much fun because we had to practice all the time. Yes. Don't ever cry, don't ever cry. Never say goodbye. Never say goodbye. Don't ever cry, don't ever cry. Never say goodbye. And that's why I said that actually the most funniest time for me was in 2007 with Alenka Gotar because then it was my first time with Slovenian delegation and they were not so strict and we also did a great job then so it's not always you know to be so strict you have to be a little bit relaxed sometimes as well. Was it through Putukasi you met Andrei Babic? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, he is a few years older than me. And then when we all uh, went out of the group, uh, well, when we were 20, we all went away to do some other projects. And that's when he approached me and asked me to do background vocals with him in uh, recording studios and on Croatian festivals. And that's how we actually met Claudia Beni and made the, he made a song for her. We made the whole choreography as a team. And, you know, we just applied for Dora. And it came as a total surprise that, you know, we, like kids, a girl with uh, 16 years of age, Claudia Benny was 16 years of age then, uh, it was such a surprise for us that we won the Dora. Was this the first time you did back up in any national final to Eurovision? Yes, this was my first time. <laughs> first time when we went to Riga, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Latvia. It's so funny because I thought, well, this is like once in a lifetime opportunity. It will never happen again that I go to Eurovision. <laughs> and then seven more times, you know. So after a third time, I said, well, God, thank you. I won't count anymore, you know. What are your memories <laughs> from Riga? We always really remember really good, you know, the first times, everything, the staging, you know, the sound, uh, how it was, you know, the best conditions that we as um, a performer you will ever meet. It, it was the biggest stage till then. Uh, the whole experience, the whole teams, such a big teams. Um, the sound that we have was perfect. And of course, it was my first time to go uh, to the north, to see the northern country. Um, everything was so exotic, the food. You know, the, how the sunsets, um, everything was so really, really exotic for us. Do you remember if uh, anything special happened behind the scenes? Yes. <laughs> I remember when we were just going for our performance on the stage. The Portugal was somewhere in front of us and they were just carrying back the piano. And so somehow, accidentally, they put us on the wrong side of the backstage And one background vocalist, she fell into a hole. Uh, it was a two-meter hole, and they were already counting the seconds, you know, before the show is starting. I mean, our performance of Claudia Beni. They were like 10, 9, 8, and she was still in the hole. And just one really big guy from Sweden, a <laughs> Swedish technician, just brought her up. But her monitoring, her 
in-ear monitor was all down in this whole left. But she actually came to the stage, she was all bruised up, and she we did the whole show like nothing <laughs> happened. So it was such, you know, I think we never had such an experience uh, later. We almost lost her, and but she actually was so... She performed so well, but actually she didn't hear, she didn't hear a thing. Because when you're in a, such a big hole, uh, you have um, feedback and echo is so big that you don't hear. You hear everything with a few seconds and later. So this was just one thing that happened <laughs> the first time when we were on Eurovision, yes. I like to work with uh, Claudia Benny. She was extremely professional for her age, especially. I think um, the thing that she was so good is because she was so young, so she didn't have the fear that comes later, maybe with, you know, when small children are going skiing, so they have no fear at yeah, all. Yeah. It was something like that. I mean, she had her uh, fears as well. It's But but I think that when if she was a little bit older, then it would be so much more scarier because she would feel the burden of the national flag. You know, you are just representing your own country and she was like a small girl she was like a child in her teens so she didn't have so much pressure and you know, she didn't really understand that turkey won for the first time ever with the song every way that i can belgium got second yes. place with a song in imaginary language and the two cocky russian girls from tattoo scored third <laughs> opinions about the top three i i know we we like certa Berener so much you know especially andrei babic i remember him like today he, he was singing and, and we like also uh, the tattoo those two russian girls we really loved them uh the whole team standing behind them so much professionalism and i don't know but the third turkey was something special for us a measly 15th place with 29 points was that the song earned. How much of a disappointment was this for Claudia and the team? Well, no, it was not a disappointment. We were so lucky that we came there. You know, we came, we come from a relative small country and we didn't expect nothing big. But, you know, to us, even to perform there, it was, you know, like a dream come true. Yeah. So nobody was actually disappointed, you know, because only one person can win. So the whole experience was so great for us. I mean, we were like in our 20s, early 20s. So we like watched everything with our big eyes, eyes open, <laughs> and mouth open. So no, no, it was not a disappointment. No. Do you remember if you sang the demo of Vision Nisamsvoya? I remember us singing three songs for that Dora and the one that we actually 
didn't have time to finish was officially <laughs> Samtoya. So we just sent it anyway. It was maybe 5 a.m. when we finished everything. And it was the, the song that we least hoped for that will actually enter Ooh. the competition. But it actually won. But I vaguely remember because, you know, we did, I think, three or four songs for Claudia, Benny. But yes, actually, at that time, I did uh, most of the demos for Andrei Babic. So I sang every song um, of his as a demo singer. It would take four years until you were back in Eurovision as a backup singer, but Andrei Babic competed in 2005 for Bosnia with Feminem. Were you never asked to sing backup for them too? Uh, well, no, some, some countries actually have strict rules about the nationality of the whole team. So, like Croatia, it has uh, a few years ago, I don't know if it's still the case, but also in Croatia, you had to send the proof that you're actually Croatian so that you can compete. Uh. Uh, not for the authors, uh, because actually Nina Kralic in 2016 had, you know, uh, foreign authors of her song Lighthouse. But then the whole team of performers needed to be Croatian. And I think that it was the same with Bosnia, for the whole team. But, you know, there are countries with such a great singers, like Serbia, Bosnia, so we never went, uh, you know, they have, uh, because they're big countries with lots of singers. So we all, always competed somehow in these smaller countries like Slovenia and Montenegro. No, 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 never, never, never had a chance to sing with Bosnia, yes. Okay. Actually, he tried also in 2005 and in 2006 also in Slovenia with Sasha Lindero, yes. with Metuli and with Mandoline. And these were actually the projects that I worked with him on those years. Sadly, those two songs got to second place. So there was no Eurovision trip for Sasha Lindero as a singer. No. How much were you involved in these two songs? Wow, we uh, did uh, the choreography, uh, we did the background vocals, uh, we had so many rehearsals in Slovenia. Uh, so I would say that we did so much work on those songs and I was so sad because I think that she deserved to go at least once, <laughs> at yeah. least once. But, you know, the type of, um, it was not only televoting, it was the jury. It was, if it was only televoting, she would she would won twice, but unfortunately, you know, the the jury didn't give us. He gave us actually zero points, <laughs> so it was it was such a you know terrible you know way of saying no. We don't want you to represent our country, but I think she deserved it because she was something special. She was fresh. She was beautiful, yeah. and she we had beautiful stage performance. You know.
well, but it was a great experience for later, because in 2007 he actually won with Alenka Gotar, <laughs> and he went for Slovenia. Did you sing the demos for Sasha Lendro? Actually, yes, I don't remember. Actually, sorry, I think that you maybe know this better than me. <laughs> These two songs I don't know, but I I believe you sang the demo of Alenka Gutter song. Yes, yes, this is the one I did. <laughs> because that I remember <laughs> from Alenka when I talked to her. Yes, 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 I did. I did this one, I did. But not on Slovenian, because actually it was a foreign language to me then. <laughs> Later I learned a little bit more of Slovenian. They actually have the, the funniest delegation, you know, we had the greatest time we had with Slovenians, I, as I remember them. And I was lucky to go there four times with Slovenia. version of Svetsi Yuga? No, I don't. Uh, I know the melody, of course, but the, the lyrics, I think I forgot. Um, that I don't know. Um, I don't know how it goes. I totally understand. <laughs> but, I, but I do remember that Alenka Guta said when she first heard the song, it was in a totally different version and it later was changed to an operatic style. Um, what was the major difference to participate in Slovenia compared to Croatia? I mean, the national final. There was a not such a big difference, but actually we were used to Croatian um, Dora because we grew up with Dora. The thing that actually surprised me because they were so professional as well. I liked it. I liked it. Um, and actually they didn't have any problems with us being foreigners, uh, which was something different from Croatians because they, we really need to be, yeah, like I said, all Croatians. Um, so I mean, but they are so professional and actually with years, those staging that they did in Slovenia, I think that they went even further because I was so much surprised um, how, I would say, in front of Croatian style of music were Slovenians in those later years when I participated in EMMA. And they, they're, they're specific, specific pop. And when I went there, I always heard something new, uh, something I didn't have a chance to hear in Croatia, uh, the style of the songs that they admitting to the um, to the competition and everything, the lights, uh, the, the whole the whole team that does, you know, the director of lights was great. Actually, he does the famous Croatian singer Severina, uh, her concerts yeah. he does as well. They have such a great professional teams. And the funny thing is they're so quiet about it. They don't brag about it. So you go there and then you just stay like, wow, they really know how to do their jobs, you know? Yeah. Uh and in 2007, the contest was held in Finland. What was Helsinki like? <laughs> Another northern country. <laughs> uh, it was cold, of course, for us. To me, it was also similar, like Riga at some point, especially the food. But it was like world city, you know. For us, it was like 
to see, you know, some world big city in the world and so much far on the north it was such a great experience and i say the team will we also knew some some parts of the team of uh, eurovision song contest so it was funny you know you you see some famous faces <laughs> from the technicians and so it was like we are in our family again so yeah. it was like different country but you know you felt it felt like home even it was like finland and helsinki and so much on the north but it felt like home already already then did anything happen there behind the scenes <laughs> no not so much but i remember this is this was the party here and in some newspaper they said like the slovenian girls are like partying every night in euro club <laughs> till 4am but it was not just slovenian girls i mean it was the chief of the delegation as well alexander radic so we had such a great fun times and we did a great work because she went to the finals she was so happy and we as well i uh, but we did not have any any bad um, memories like the something that fell no the only great memories for slovenia as well because i don't know how many years before no one went to the finals third year in a row there was a semi-final. But it's correct, Slovenia had a tough period in Eurovision since they took part in 93. Yes, and I think she won like, she, she, she said that no one before in Slovenia got so much points, you know, so much vote. So I think the whole delegation was so, so, so happy, and especially her, you know. I remember she was really professional. She didn't have fun like we did. She was, you know, staying in her room. Uh, she was preparing. She was taking care of her voice. Uh, she was really, really professional and strict on herself i remember that but according to the betting odds you were actually among the t- the 10 with lowest odds but you got exactly the same position as last chance a 15th place with 66 points with alan <laughs> very strange i must say still well i don't know there are so many countries so many tastes uh, people have different tastes across europe and i don't know sometimes when we think that some uh, some song is going to perform better it does not and some songs are actually such a surprise you know yeah. i don't know You'll never know that. (laughs) (laughs) Your third time in Eurovision was for a third country, Montenegro. Yes. And this time the composer wasn't Andrei Babic. So please tell me, how did you end up there? Actually, uh, through Putokazi that you mentioned earlier, they approached us from the delegation. They approached actually the our chief Miranda <laughs> from mm. Putokazi. And then she said, well, actually, we have a team which uh, that does that, not the girls that are right now in the project Putokazi, but former Putokazi members. And that's how they actually approached us and asked. They, they, they needed only girls. And they actually asked for a participation. We said yes. And then we had like three months prepare, preparation in Montenegro. So yes, as well, choreography. You know, it was something that we all, we got used to, you know, doing and the choreography and the singing and all the preparation. Those three months were 
always, you know, really busy, busy, busy. Also something totally different because we were never before in Montenegro. Mm. <laughs> Although it is close, but the girls were never there. But we, they were so warm, you know, people people there are so warm-hearted. And in Belgrade later, when where the Eurovision Song Contest took place. Um, so I remember it also as one... I, every every, every um, year was special for me. You know, different artists. Stefan was such a young boy at that age. Uh, actually, I really don't know what is he doing right now. Is he if he is still in music business? But I know that he. It was also such a big competition for him because he was I don't know maybe nineteen twenty years old. Okay. But what was it like for you to compete in Serbia for Montenegro as a Croatian citizen? <laughs> Everybody loved us. <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. It was great when, when they heard, oh, you're from Croatia. Um, because we actually have really similar accents like Montenegrins. And, you know, the main reason they took us. And but everybody really loved Croatians. I didn't know how is it possible, but we felt like queens, mm. kings and queens. Um, so everything was was so perfect in Belgrade. I remember it, 2008. <laughs> that actually, I remember that me and my sister, my sister was with me as well as a part of the background vocalist team. She's also such a great singer and actress. And I remember that we did not went home straight away. We went first to Montenegro <laughs> and then home to Croatia, you know, because other members of the team, they went directly from Belgrade. They went to Croatia. But no, we were so, we were having so much fun. And so we said, no, we're going to go first to Montenegro to say goodbye to everybody and then to Croatia. So that's how good it was then. <laughs> Bookmakers gave you the highest odds to qualify to the final of them all. And one thing many contestants have in common is that they always, always hear from people on site and from fans and other around that they have the best song and they have a chance to win. Did you thought there and then that you had a good chance to qualify? Uh, well, as a team, you always hope for the best. But um, I don't know. Somehow, I thought there <laughs> there were better songs. Uh, so, but we never, as a background vocalist, I don't know. You gave your best, but you 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 never have such a high expectations. I think that the singers and the authors have more expectations, and then when they do not go to the finals. They are not happy. Uh, so we tried to be more neutral and to keep our heads cold, as I said. But you always do perform the best and you do your best, but you don't, you know, get so much carried away with the results because then we would be really, really sad. So I, I think that we were mostly objective. Most of the time we were really objective, you know, and give us like, it's, it's 50-50 chance. You don't know. Like I said, you never know. There are always some songs that you think are not so good as yours, but somehow they they manage to go further than your song, and that's why you you learned. Well, actually, we learned the first year, you know, that there are so many countries with so many good performers, so many great singers, great songs, and great teams, and bigger countries than your countries. So you don't have such a high expectations, but you also don't think that you're, you know, you don't have the low. I think 50-50 is always the best thing. 
In 2009, you were asked to be the lead singer for a song composed by Andrei Babic and with some yes. lyrics by Alexander Valencic. But here I wonder, because in Eurovision it says that Sasha, Sasha Lender wrote the lyrics. Uh, see, she wrote the Slovenian... The Slovenian words. Yes, yes, so it was a combination. I sang bilingual, half Slovenian and half English. Uh, it was also a strange thing about this song, because Andrei Babic wrote it as an instrumental song. Yep. And afterwards they said, no, uh, the rules are not allowing all instrumental songs to be there, so you have to call a singer. And that's when he called me. But the song was uh, written uh, for the string quartet, and it was totally not suitable for a female voice. And I remember it was so high for me, it was such a high note for me. And I said, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. But he says, no, no, just try. Try to be, you know, sing only this part. You'll be the guest of this quartissimo. And I said, well, okay, let's try. Let's try. And we did it. I, I really liked this crossover. Uh, it was a new style for me as well. And I remember I didn't believe that actually going to win because he already won in 2007 and he competed twice before. I said, okay, I'm just gonna go and uh, do it, and then I have so much work on Croatian TV when I come back from Slovenia. <laughs> and then everything changed. <laughs> everything changed because when they when they put together the votes of the jury and the televoting, somehow we ended up first. As nearly always in the national finals in the Balkan regions, there were some controversies since your song won by getting top votes from the juries, but only seven from the televoters. And uh, the song from Skupina Langa and Mancha Speak that got top marks from the televoters got zero from the jury. And why <laughs> I brought, bring this up is because from my conversation with Andrei Babic in this podcast, he told me that he thinks that more or less always is foul play in those national finals. What do you remember of this in 2009? Yes, you know, two years uh, before, no, uh, in 2005 when he was like with also with Metmetul as well, we he got, I, I see it like this, because it's like a good karma, because then his songs got zero points from yeah. the jury. Yeah. And, you know, they were like favorite, fan favorite, because she was really favorite, Sasha Landera, those two years. She was the favorite, but got zero points from the jury. And now, four or five years later, it was a totally different situation, like the karma. So, but I think that did not, they did not actually count that we are going to win. Uh, but you can always manipulate like that. I think when you have the jury and the teller, you can always manipulate if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know for sure what were they uh, talking about behind the scenes, you know, those uh, members of the jury. But to give someone like zero points, I don't know if anyone deserves like, especially those fan favorite songs are not so bad that you just don't give them one or two points. Sometimes the jury sees the commercial songs like they're not good enough, you know, they're not quality But have you experienced foul play during all your years yourself? 
No, I did not. But then later, everybody talked something, you know, about something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that probably exists because a few years later, you hear some talk about how someone did that or someone paid that, but you will never know that for sure. And I was just a background vocalist, so I was like the last one, you know, to know. <laughs> but I think that um, especially it was not true in 2003 when Claudia Benny won, because we're total outsiders, kids from Rijeka, not even from Zagreb, <laughs> not even from the capital. And like, I don't know, it was only televoting. And that's why everybody gave us 12 points. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually the year where we did not experience that. But I, I don't know. Uh, actually, uh, the Slovenian 2009 also was, we were we were foreigners. We were like foreign authors, foreign singer. Quartissimo was new form band, only project for this show. So nobody knew them before. So I think that there was no no foul play even then in 2009, as well as I can say from my perspective. Can you take us back to your memories from Moscow? Yes, Moscow, fantastic city of culture. You know, I remember the Kremlin, the Red Square, walking there. You you feel how everything is so big in Moscow. Yeah. And then we tried we tried to cross the street, and then we decided it was not such a good idea because nobody's crossing the street on the street. They're all like going under. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the greatest metro, those metro stations. When you go out, it's like. A work of art, like you're in some famous Austro-Hungarian hotel. You know, everything is so perfectly made. I don't know. It looks a little bit older, but it was such a great city to see. Something totally different to go on the east, uh, nowhere close. Actually, Eurovision gave me an opportunity to travel a lot also, to, to see the world, you know, to see the cultures, because in those 15 days that you are there, you see a lot, you learn a lot. And I was really, really scared. <laughs> I actually don't remember my show. I remember some like glimpses of my performance because it was so, so much adrenaline. You have, you, you, you don't remember. I just remember the, the, the audience was screaming. The wind machine was blowing and like I was singing and it was like those three minutes were over like 30 seconds. <laughs> and then I had to watch it on TV so I can, you know. I can see what 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 I was doing because I think such a great thing for for a singer, you know, to participate there. And as well, I can say, I I would it would be even maybe harder for me to go for Croatia because uh, it was always to me more difficult. You know, you have bigger burden, especially in our country. <laughs> if you're not the first, everybody hates you. You know, uh, so it's a big burden for Croatians. You know, to go for Croatia. Since it was Slovenia, it was not such a big burden for me like it would be if I went for Croatia. <laughs> During more or less the whole performance, you are standing behind a white fabric and we only see your silhouette. And I rewatched this performance yesterday and I had to count the seconds you were shown on stage. Do you know how many seconds you were shown? Uh, actually, no. Actually, no. Maybe 20. 35. Wow! <laughs> and I believe that this is some kind of record, actually, that the lead singer isn't shown more. Well, actually, to me, they were the lead, the lead performers. Like, I was their guest. I mean, we were both important, uh, somehow the same. I'd never imagined uh, uh, myself there as the lead singer, you know, and the most important. But, um, you know, this is how they, they Andrew also saw the whole performance. 
that he would actually reveal me at the end. Yeah. It was actually the the idea of the team, and I didn't mind because actually I was most of the time as well background vocalist, so I didn't have you know so much problem with that. But um, as I said, I always somehow thought of them as you know being the lead, and I was their guest, like featuring. Mm. So somehow it was a combination. But actually, that what they wanted to do with that show, and there I remember that we had a problem with the paper that was covering me, uh, and then I had to remove that paper to go out of those um, windows or the doors. But somehow those paper never removed correctly, so I would stay inside uh, with my high heels. I, I I couldn't get out. It was really funny, so so funny. Then Andre went the last day and he bought uh, the fabric that, that was hanging because he could not watch it anymore. You know. Um, actually, it was pretty scary for me, the whole performance. Should I be able to go out? But, but when I went out, it was like crazy. Okay, I did it. Now I can start singing. second semi-final and didn't qualify to the final no. sadly uh, only three countries awarded you points and out of 19 songs you ended 16th i was sad that's why i said when you're a background vocalist and part of the team then you don't you try to distance yourself a little bit but when you are a lead singer or like featuring like i did or like when you're the author then it gets you a little bit more emotionally so i remember that i was really sad i think that we deserved to go there to the finals but you know i think that everybody <laughs> thinks that they deserve to go to the final it would be nice that everybody got there but i said well, only one can uh, win the whole competition so i said well it was just such a ni- nice experience to go there up front and you know to see how is it, you know, the single lead? Did you say 35 seconds? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the whole uh, experience was really great. So the, so you forget about, you know, those emotional things and you just, you know, you move on and you go and you, you watch, you know, the finals, you, you, you have your own favorites, uh, you know. It's really great to be a part of Eurovision team, you know. Do you remember who made your outfit? I don't remember the name, but it was like Slovenian designer, very popular. Then uh, it was uh, this uh, sand, peachy color. They actually were surprised uh, how did I look live when they met me, because I don't know, from this um, Emma competition, they probably imagined something totally different. So when they saw me in my natural style, they said, oh my God, (laughs) you're pretty. (laughs) I did I didn't know what I meant, but I said, okay, thank you. So yeah, we can make you, we can do like the natural princess style that we, okay. So I said, okay, if I fit in your picture, then it's great. (laughs) But actually so many, many years later, I went to their basement of the uh, Slovenian national TV and I saw my dress hanging there. And it was so sad because she was like one of so many dresses and it looked kind of sad, you know, to me to see it hanging there. And I remembered how she was so, so big and so, so famous, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that competition when she was like, you really represented one country in 2009. So I remember that moment, you know, when I saw her there. 
We move forward to 2011. Yes. Do you remember where the trip went then? Uh, yeah, to Germany, to Düsseldorf. Maya came with Slovenia as well. We were like a little bit older girls then and we were such a great team, I think. I was the only one from Croatia then, but we had such a great singers and those girls from the background vocalist and some so talented. And of course Maya, she was I think maybe 22, 23. She was so beautiful when she started singing. I thought, wow, such a great R&B voice. And um, I, I think she was actually the first in our semi-finals, the most votes. Third. Um, she came third. The third. She came third. I thought she was like the first, maybe, you know, the chief of delegation said uh, maybe differently. But it was like the best uh, jury entrance for Slovenia, I think, in all times, you know, to be the, the third, like you said. You know. But actually, with this singer, somehow I knew that we are entering the finals <laughs> because she was she was so likable they even said she was like the the most beautiful lady on Eurovision that year and the song was like I said everybody loved the melody she was catchy I think they did a really great job and she had such a great charisma so with her face and her voice and her pers- she was so precise in singing somehow I was sure that we were, we are entering the finals so this was the, the least surprise for me in 2011 we don't care. We don't care. there too in the Schwarzkopf team as a hairdresser and oh. I can tell you that the Swedish artist Eriksa Abe was a bitch troll from hell that year <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yes he was a cocky 19 year old and but we have talked about this later uh, he grew up you want yes, but he now he grew up, up. <laughs> thank god for that Well, I have to say, in my experience, uh, those eight uh, times, no one was uh, like rude or cocky, like you said. Everybody was somehow really scared of the competition, you know. <laughs> they knew that where they were coming and they have to represent their own country, so they were like really polite. Yeah. But they had, we, we know that when they are alone in the rooms, they probably had their own fears and, you know. But they're really, really nice kids. Did anything special happen in Germany? No, nothing so much different. Um, but I was, it was my third time then with Slovenian delegation. So we were like really pretty good friends. And it, it would be my final year for Slovenia. Um, I really liked their, the Alexander Radic, their head of delegation, uh, the whole team. Um, really, really nice people. And, um, actually I was learning Slovenian really great when I was <laughs> working with them, which was always a wish for me. But nothing, nothing so special. No, no traumas. No, I don't know. No it was gossip. so much. 
I I don't remember actually. I uh, maybe you know better. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually don't. Not regarding Slovenia in any way. Uh, <laughs> okay, we were always we were always nice. We were always polite and nice. <laughs> the song qualified for the final and came third, as we said here before. Uh, but despite that, it ended only thirteenth in the final. Do you think there is a logical explanation for that? Well, I always say somehow we're from, I will say, ex-Balkan, from ex-Yugoslavia, from those countries. We don't expect to go higher than 15th place because, I don't know, we are so, we're small and maybe only the, 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 the countries like Serbia that have, or maybe even Bosnia, which have such a big, um, lots of people, um, is, uh, is abroad. living abroad. Yes. Yeah. They only they only have chance, but like actually Slovenia, Croatia, there you know countries. Slovenia has only two million uh, inhabitants. Uh, Croatia four uh, million. Uh, I don't think that so ma- many people is gonna actually pick up the phone and vote there for for Croatia and Slovenia. So we're actually used to that. We don't you know make fuss about that it's like normal if it's like below 20 (laughs) 25 (laughs) then we would no actually if somebody does not go to the finals then it's like a bad thing in our countries but even in for slovenians they they i don't know they are so humble they say well we did not expect it you know we we never go to the finals (laughs) like they they will always say that they rarely go to the finals so they are not expecting it and croatians are I can say are expecting it a little bit more, but every, anything below twenty, it's it's like a bad, but above twentieth place, it's a good thing. You know, nobody will take it as like you have you could have done a better job. They are not gonna say that because they actually understand we're not like the top five. We're not the big countries, you know. And I I don't know if we have so much friends, you know, um, outside Croatia. We really have to have such a great artist, great performer and a great song. But it's not all about the song, you know, because people are mostly voting for their friends, for their friendly countries, for their roots, uh, somewhere they, they, they feel they belong to more, especially here in the south of Europe. Uh, Azerbaijan won with the song Running Scared, so the contest was held in Baku the following year. Yes, and who and was there? There was Eva Bato, and we loved the fact that it was Azerbaijan. It's so exotic country for us. I was never in Asia. <laughs> so uh, Eva Bato, she, she's the second um, youngest com- competitor that I worked with after Claudia Benny, I think maybe she was even younger than Claudia. And we had uh, authors from Serbia, uh, Grajic, Vladimir Grajic, who actually won with Maria Sharifovic in 2007, he won the Eurovision Song Contest. He wrote the song also for Eva Boto. Yep. It was a little bit more, I think, harder for her than for Claudia Benny. She was a little bit more preoccupied, but she also handled it so, so well. I was always like looking at those really young girls and saying, wow, how can you sing like that on such a big competition like this, you know? in Europe. 
question. So now you really had some experience. What was the big difference with Baku as a host city compared to the others? They were, I don't know, I mean, they were really polite uh, to us, but as a girls, we needed to be, you know, a little bit more careful not to wear so so much short uh, dresses, so much short trousers. I mean, we needed, you know, to, to actually take care, you know, not to offend anyone, um, to respect a little bit more, you know, their tradition. But everything else was pretty much uh, the same. They were great hosts. The whole country was great. You know, we took one day off and when the whole delegation, you know, we had a day on the sea. I think that it was really um, exotic, something different, something different. Uh, and I think they were also proud that they were having the competition there. And it was really warm. Um, yes, I remember that. But actually, the the whole Azerbaijan, uh, um, I mean, the German and the Swedish team that worked on Eurovision, everything was like I said. We we knew each other from before. It was like family. So everything we knew that everything was gonna be top great. Veriamem is still a loved song by the Eurovision fans, and it was recorded in Slovenian, English, and Serbian. It was predicted to reach the final according to the betting odds, but ended second to last in the semi-final. Did this come as a shock, or were you prepared to not reach the well, final? Well, yes, it did come a little bit, as I now remember. But like I said, it's mostly shock to the singer and the authors. And so when you see them, then you feel like a little bit down. But it's like one day, one evening. It, it lasts only one evening. Then yeah, the next yeah. day we're trying, you know, to go on with life. Life goes on and then you go and you predict who's going to win the Eurovision song and etc, etc. And actually a little bit of the burden actually falls down your shoulders. I believe that one day can come true you will come in my life and you you'll hold me in your arms forever I'll open the gates of my heart for you but yes I remember that it was a little bit of nobody uh, expected but I maybe maybe not to enter the finals but to be like the second uh, you said from the bottom it was quite a shock uh, as well for the author which once won the Eurovision yeah. song contest so yes I remember that the team was a little bit down but only that night but Laureen with Euphoria it was, you know, the song which was such a big hit that nobody, nobody can say that she did not deserve to win. They were actually flying with us on the plane back yeah. to Europe, I remember. So we got a chance to hold the trophy, you know, she was carrying, you know, it was the whole plane was celebrating fun. It was fun to travel with them back, you know, to see how they're happy about it. And she was so perfect on this performance, you know. You you are seeing this and you don't know. Like you, you can easily say it's a playback, but you know it's not. But she was perfect. In 2014, you traveled to Copenhagen to sing backup for Sergei Setkovich, who competed for Montenegro. Yes, I, I can say that actually Sergei, he is, you see, he was a little bit older than our last participants. He's such a professional. He's such a great professional and so cool, so toned down. Uh, it was such a pleasure working with him. He's one of the biggest uh, singers I've worked with. My sweet. 
sam and this year was the first that they actually had interactive floor. So we had one singer that was um, like uh, doing skates on this interactive floor. And wherever she went, you know, the, the, the whole new world actually opened the flowers. So I remember the, the, the graphics was fantastic, were fantastic. And I would say from Montenegro from 2014 in Copenhagen, I have to say that I really loved more those Nordic countries on the north. So I really loved Denmark. They were they are, looks like so calm. I really like those not so much emotional <laughs> countries. Uh, everything is so in order. They are so orderly. And actually, with Conchita Tavurst uh, winning, I really she was one my favorite. Those rise like a phoenix. It was really like something from James Bond theme. Uh, I loved the song. So I remember this Copenhagen as like really peaceful and really perfect Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, we also went to the finals. Uh, this was for me expected because he was such a great performer yeah. uh, and um, such a big star that I, I I was sure. Although you never know, we had big stars that did not go to the finals. But this one, somehow, I felt that it's going to be really nice and easy with this Sergei Chetkovich. You came 19th in the final. Uh, Ooh, super. And uh love Balkan ballads. Uh, so <laughs> really? I think it got robbed, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> now you now that you you said that it's possible, you know, to have some frauds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, still a great song. I actually listened to it yesterday. It's still a great song. Yes, I like the whole performance. Uh, you know, the moment when we enter the stage, then when we get close to him and how we finish the whole song. Yeah. We talked about Conchita before, and I remember that this was a big thing in several countries. And for me, this is a no-brainer, but I know that the Balkan region isn't quite as liberal in the LGBT issues as in Sweden, where I live. But I must ask, mm-hmm. why do you think this was and still is a big thing in the Balkan region and uh, in several other countries, of course, in Europe, that a guy with makeup, beard and a dress is provocative? I think it's less and less important, which is actually great for me, but it's, I think it's primitive it's connected with your culture and how you how you can look forward uh how can you like live and let live others you know the um they are what they are you know everybody should feel really great in their own skin so if somebody wants you know wear makeup wear makeup you're not hurting me or my feelings i don't feel offended so i don't know i'm pretty much liberal about this uh but yes it's true i think it's because of how some people are brought up some are still really really pretty much i would say like primitive and ignorant so but i think it's the times are changing especially in slovenia and croatia although you know it all depends on which region are if you're more like croatian on the north we're so much okay about it but if you go to the south then you you can still find some people uh, i think it, it it's also has to do with education and where you grew up you know the region where you grow up i hope this will change because i don't know it's it's not offensive in any way so why would anyone have a problem with that yeah 
In 2015, you competed again as a lead singer in the Slovenian pre-selection with a song titled Alive, written by Andri Babic. <laughs> yes. Was this the first time since 2009 you were offered a song for a national final to reach Eurovision as a lead singer? Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. actually I was mostly doing background vocalist. I was not even interested like, in going as a soloist. Okay. And then, of course... Andrew came and he said again, Martina, we have something for you. Uh, but this time I want you to go there. And I really believe in that song. I really loved the song Alive. We came in the top eight. Yep. But it, I was, I was, I, I really loved the song that actually it won. I love Maria. Uh, I loved their song so much. But I have to say that I was sad that uh, the song Alive did not won the competition. And I fight, fight so hard to doing uh, this year I'm gonna do the the cover the, of this song you know okay, so it's gonna have a little bit of new clothes on an old song you mean that you will do a new version of it yes yes it will be a little bit of a um, slap house thing something um, it's it's almost finished so cool yes I remember from my conversation with Andre Babic that he told me about a horrible event after this performance when you traveled back to Rijeka after the live performance in Ljubljana yes 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 well it could have been a deadly accident car accident for all of us but hopefully Andrew he managed to stop in the last minute well I would say that God actually took care of us because we just went out of the um, highway which was actually a really fast road so we went to the the smaller road and then he unfortunately got I don't know if it's okay in English but it was because here we say like epileptic epileptic attack That's correct. and but he actually managed to stop in the last second it was the first attack he ever had so we actually didn't know what was going on with him And so we went to the emergency, you know, spent the whole night there and, but everything went well, actually. And today he's fine. He's not having any problems anymore. But actually, so the song title was Alive. So it's like really gives you like the goosebumps when you remember that we almost didn't get, didn't get alive out of that car. But we had so much luck and I would say the universe made that it all happens, everything, the best happens for us. Participation was in 2016 when Nina Kralic sang Lighthouse. 
Yes, this was in Stockholm, Sweden, your country. Yep. <laughs> so you were great. You were great hosts. Um, <laughs> you have to say. Yeah, great to hear. Yeah, I love, I love, I love Denmark, Sweden. Yeah, like I said, everything on the north. It's so nice. You know, are you wearing like short trousers, long trousers? Everything. So <laughs> no, we don't care. Everything is okay. Nobody cares, and everything functions well. And you're all really polite, and everything's like calm down. That's this is what I noticed, like when you're actually waiting for a coffee, there are like 20 people before you and no one's getting nervous about it. Everybody's like waiting and enjoying and talking. And if we were actually in Croatia, everybody would like probably saying, come on, come on, what's happening? Why are we waiting so much, so much people here standing? But no, in Sweden, so relaxed. I don't know if it's always like that, but actually, even me, I was like watching, come on, are we gonna get our coffees or not? <laughs> so it's nice. But what can I say about Nina Kraljic? Uh, this one, I also really believed she's entered the finals. She is such a great singer. She was our first voice, the voice winner in Croatia, and she still is the best for me. Uh, I love the song Lighthouse. It was not written by Croatian authors, but it was so fresh, uh, like Anglo-Saxon song, not Balkan melodies. Um, and she was really, really great performer, although she, she really was concerned about her performance the most of all artists. She was such a perfectionist. I don't know. I think I would uh, love that she did not worry so much, <laughs> but she was great. Anyway, she was really, really great uh, as a performer. The song was composed by Torsten Brötzman, uh, with lyrics by Andreas Gras and Nicola Parilla. Yes, um, yes. Why did you do backup singing with uh, this dark cloak? <laughs> Because we were like doing Star Wars theme. <laughs> We actually had jokes in front of our hotel rooms. We were pretending like we were doing uh, this, some scenes from the Star Wars. Yeah. And you all were <laughs> was... Darth Vader. Yes, we were all Darth Vader. <laughs> I don't know, somehow the choreographer or somebody that did the scenery imagined that because somebody had to remove the clothes from Nina. Yeah. But they didn't want us, you know, to be seen. Mm. So that's why we were in black. Okay. So they thought, okay, they will be black, so nobody will see them, but we still need them so they can remove the whole this thing uh, from her so she can be she can stay in this beautiful dress that she had, but actually she really hated so much. <laughs> I think that she did not like the feathers. I, she, she actually removed the feathers. For for the finals, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. as I remember. Yeah, did. and she got an uh, Barbara Ward's uh, prize for the worst dress. Oh yes, I think this really hit her. You know the, what she read later, what they said about the dress. That's why I think she she was so sure that she's gonna remove the feathers. And but I think that they were not fair because you know you can you see everything in Eurovision. So yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. Leave, an, 
Live and let live. So but, it was you know, not so I love when over the top. It looks great on her, you know, with her haircut, with her hair color. And yeah, you said it is over the top, but Eurovision is all over the top. Yeah, and that's why we love it. <laughs> yes, yes. And like everything is okay. So nobody has to be ashamed of anything. So I was so sad for her that she, well, she really took this emotionally that's why i said she was so worried about everything but as a great singer as she is she should not be so worried about those stuff she should be thinking about her performance and she was actually really really good have you said no to sing backup anytime for a country or a song actually no no because when i went first time i loved it so much that i always wanted to come back uh so no i did not say uh no all those years when it, it, they were my like top these 10 years were well it was uh, even 15 years were my top uh when i worked the most right now there are some new generations coming new singers new background vocalists new tv uh head of delegations so but no i really loved every every second of the preparations uh, of the trips um so i really look looked forward every may actually my birthday is also in may yeah. so i would a few times i even celebrated my birthday as well in sweden as well on the 2nd of may yeah and so it was also a beautiful time of the year for me like christmas you know <laughs> it's the happiest time of the year <laughs> do they pay well well, it depends, uh, actually, for whom are you working, which country is it, or which singer is it, you know. But uh, we, I, I cannot uh, say that we were paid good uh, every time, because you are going there for two weeks. Yeah. So uh, you are losing all your jobs at home in your two weeks. So that's why you have to put yourself a good price. But, you know, everybody knew, you know, these this were some standard prices, so, you know. Um, they let's just say that they paid us actually really good because uh, you have everything paid on Eurovision so it's really nice trip that you have you go there you work you perform you have some fun and you actually earn something as I was a student there so and that's how I started this was like a student job for me yeah. <laughs> I actually studied economics something totally different and then I started to sing like okay let's just sing a little bit <laughs> And yeah, that's how it, it started. But actually it started like a student job so I can, you know, pay my rent and bills and something, etc., etc. <laughs> I don't know, maybe if Doris Dragovic wins again uh, or maybe Daniela Martinovic, uh, maybe we'll go again. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody chooses, you know, someone to suit them better. But actually they don't don't even do it uh, now uh, live anymore with backgrounds yeah are they are they already you you probably better uh, do they record pre-recorded yes today is allowed to yes. sing the song with pre-recorded voices yes especially this with coronavirus and yeah. everything so they need to lower the number of people on the stage yes. so i don't know if uh, they're gonna bring the background vocalists back but <laughs> who knows i was no i will never say it's like the last time but you know i said well after eight times it's okay it's also okay that somebody else goes and sees everything that i saw it's not okay to be selfish you know and to keep everything oh i have to go every year no no i think it's okay that more and more people go there and see and experience 
those stuff. It's nice, you know, so you'll remember it. You, you'll definitely remember Eurovision for the rest of your life because it's the best age you're ever going to be, the best sound you're going to have. Well, for the most people, it's the best age and the best sound there and the best graphics and the biggest audience on the screens and um, there in the whole venue. Have you done any more attempts to compete in Eurovision yourself since 2015? Well, I think maybe I sent uh, once in Croatia, but actually it did not go to the to the. Um, they did not choose it, you know. Yeah. Um, but you did. You you submitted a song. Yes, I submitted once, but I was never, you know, so uh, really eager about it. Um, I started maybe only four years ago, you know, more as a soloist. And now in this last year, this Corona year, I also started to do also in Croatian um, uh, national language. So, you know, the whole country can actually understand what I'm singing about. And that's what I plan to do now and more in the future, you know. This one that was actually now, uh, it's now actual single. It's called Vreme na našoj strani. I submitted it to one Croatian festival. It's not Dora, but it's called like Zagreb festival, the famous Zagreb festival. But also it didn't enter the competition, but it entered in uh, the Albanian Kinga Majike yep. festival this year. So I had a chance to visit Albania and to be, uh, you know, to be there like 15 days. And I know it's really popular. Competition is really popular among Eurovision fans and I didn't know that before so it was such a great experience and actually it is my last single that I released in Croatia yes we listen to your song thank you repertoire with songs in different genres. What kind of songs do you prefer to sing yourself? I like these upbeat pop songs, like uh, similar like this last one that you played, Vreme na našoj strani. Um, but I also like a great pop ballad, so hopefully it will be something in between. Um, I would like to have these upbeat, up-tempo songs, pop songs, but with few really beautiful piano ballads. Something modern, actually, more modern than I did here locally. What are you doing today in your life? Uh, you know, the music is my life, so um, I'm participating in a few festivals, uh, preparing some new projects, and also some old projects with my old colleagues, like Zdravko Cholic, like he's the biggest duo. He also participated in the Song Contest. <laughs> Gori ljubav, puna plava, 
region and actually in one week I'm having the first concert with him after two years of this corona pause mm. that we had uh, so actually it's quite a busy week uh, this one and the second one for me because I have to like prepare maybe five different projects with uh, some of my own and some for some other singers. I saw on Facebook that you performed with uh, the Eurovision legend Teresa Kesovia uh, last week. Yes, and hopefully uh, we're going to have two more concerts by the end of uh, the next month. She's still working. She's still really, really strong. And I was, she's a real diva. It's always an honor to be with her. Such a, such a great singer, she's over 18 years old and she still sings, she's strong, she's beautiful. So it was such a real pleasure to, to be able to work with her again. I never concentrated so much on my solo career, it was more like a shy version of me. But the last uh, four years, since I've been doing it more, I decided that I'm gonna actually put a little bit more effort <laughs> into into my solo career because yeah, yeah. if I'm not doing now I will never do it you know and um, somehow you got uh, emotionally it's more fulfilling in the last few years to be a soloist because before it was for me more interesting to do you know to travel to be less concerned about uh, anything you know to to be part of the group part of the background vocalist but and then at one point i got emotionally stuck there i didn't like it anymore like i needed an upgrade uh, probably some people would say well she could have done it earlier but no i didn't feel like it earlier so i said no no in the last four years I started to open myself more to this idea and I was actually pretty successful uh, here in my locally um, and then I decided okay let's go let's do some more because somehow it gave me more chance you know to express myself um, and to show what I really think and to show what I really feel. I always ask my guests as the last question who they think I should invite to the podcast who do you suggest? Hmm. Sorry, I didn't know. Maybe you already did <laughs> podcast with Dima Bilan. No, I haven't. <laughs> I like Dima Bilan. Actually, he gave me when we won this competition in Emma in two thousand and nine. He was the one who actually gave me the trophy. He handed me uh, the trophy, and I really like his music. And when we were in Azerbaijan in Baku, I remember we watched his videos all the time on their local TV, music TV, mm-hmm. and actually those songs, and he as well was the reason that I started to learn Russian when I came home, because it was such a great language, uh, but I don't know, this was just one, if you like, if you like, call Dima Bilan. <laughs> yes, I will call Dima Bilan, and I really hope he answer. <laughs> I think that's a bigger problem. <laughs> you know, always go for it, always go for the best, you know. <laughs> Wow, you're so you you speak you speak Croatian. <laughs> you actually said it really good. You think? A really good accent. Yes. Thank you, thank you, and thank you to all of your listeners. And I wish you, you know that you take care of yourself and uh, all the best in your future podcasts, which you do, and that you get really great guests like Dima Bila. <laughs> 
And if you ever do come to Croatia or Slovenia, you know, please, you know, reach me or Jan. So, you know, we can grab some lunch or something like that. Lovely. I'm looking forward to that. And I promise <laughs> I will come to Rijeka. Yes, you have to. It's actually, I'm only 10 kilometers away in Opatia, in like mm. small town near Rijeka. Uh, touristic town it's really nice so you, you'll be my guest then Vala Vala thank you Emily bye bye thank you good night bye bye bye